It's Friday, June the 11th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, America's rocketing consumer prices and famine in Ethiopia. First, the world in brief. American consumer prices rose by 5% in the year to May, their sharpest increase since 2008. They were driven up by ravenous consumer demand, coupled with companies ill-prepared to service it, shortages of various goods, and a scarcity of workers. Prices rose 0.6% month-on-month in May, a slight deceleration from the increase of 0.8% seen in April. The United Nations' top humanitarian official said that there is a, quote, famine in Ethiopia, with at least 350,000 people in Tigray, a northern state, at risk of starvation. As the armies of Ethiopia and Eritrea continue to fight rebel groups, up to 2 million people have been displaced and crops and livestock have been stolen or destroyed. Amnesty International said that Muslims in Xinjiang, northwestern China, were living in a, quote, dystopian hellscape. In a damning report based on interviews with victims, the human rights group said that Tajiks, Uyghurs and Uzbeks in the state have been subject to mass internment, torture, indoctrination and surveillance. It was scathing about the United Nations' lack of interest in such, quote, crimes against humanity. Foreign businesses in China expressed concern about the transparency of a new, quote, anti-sanctions law, details of which were not released until the bill was signed yesterday. Foreign firms accused of complying with sanctions aimed at China could now have their visas denied or their assets frozen. The law also prohibits Chinese companies from complying with such sanctions. Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, welcomed President Joe Biden ahead of a G7 meeting. They trumpeted a light on detail new quote Atlantic Charter, binding them on issues such as trade, human rights and the environment. Mr Johnson played down tensions over Northern Ireland. Mr Biden worries that Britain's threat to disregard the Brexit Withdrawal Treaty, obliging customs checks on goods travelling between the rest of the United Kingdom and Northern Ireland, threatens Irish peace. Emmanuel Macron announced an end to Operation Barken, France's military campaign against jihadism in the Sahel, a region south of the Sahara. The French president said his country could not continue to work with local governments that negotiated with militants. Mr Macron has long called on Western allies to get more involved in the fight. A British woman who was sacked for expressing, quote, gender-critical beliefs won an appeal against an employment tribunal that upheld her dismissal. Maya Forstater's contract with the Centre for Global Development was not renewed in 2019, after she tweeted that sex was immutable. But an appeal court said the original tribunal was wrong to claim her views should not be protected under equality law. And fact of the day. Residents of Washington state are now eligible for a free spliff if they get vaccinated for COVID-19. And now here's today's agenda. Cornish Calm, the G7 Summit. For leaders from the G7, the West's club of big industrialised countries, meeting at Carbis Bay in southwest England will, in some respects, seem just like old times. After so many virtual summits, meeting in person will give them a chance to test personal chemistry, especially with Joe Biden on his first foreign foray as president. What is more, quote, America is back, as Mr Biden likes to put it. Gone are the days when world leaders trod on eggshells because of fears of a Trumpian tantrum. But the group cannot simply turn back the clock. America's friends need persuading that its return is not temporary. 
and America seeks serious commitments from others in tackling global challenges, from the pandemic to climate change, and the authoritarian assertiveness of China and Russia. Mr Biden believes the West is stronger when it faces challenges together. That is what the G7 is supposed to be for. Deal of the Century G7 and the Global Vaccine Drive The most immediate challenge the G7 faces is getting the pandemic under control. Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, wants the club of rich democracies to donate a billion doses of COVID-19 vaccine to countries in need. America has already pledged 500 million doses. But as generous as that sounds, it will still leave COVAX, an international scheme to get vaccines to ill-supplied countries, billions of doses short. The IMF reckons it would only cost $50 billion to get 70% of the world's adults inoculated by April. That is a mere 0.13% of the G7 country's GDP. The benefits would vastly outweigh the expense. The fund says the resulting boost to the global economy would reach $9 trillion by 2025, a return of 17,900%. If the G7 stops short of rapid universal vaccination, it is passing up the deal of the lifetime. Rough Patch Germany's Greens Meet German Green Party Congresses were once fiery affairs. In 1999, Joschka Fischer, then the Foreign Minister, was pelted with paint for urging German involvement in the Kosovo conflict. This year's three-day online event starting today should be quieter. The party is more or less united behind Annalia Baerbock, its co-leader, and will officially anoint her as its candidate for Chancellor in September's election. Older ideological battles have been contained. The party is preparing for government. Yet it will not be entirely straightforward. In recent weeks, delegates tabled over 3,200 amendments to the party's draft election manifesto. Some were quietly resolved, but several must be handled at the Congress. Expect rows over carbon pricing, taxes, the minimum wage, and a speed limit on Germany's motorways. Delegates desperate to see Miss Baerbock in the top job will want to know one thing above all. How does she plan to reverse the party's recent slide in the polls? The end game? The SEC investigates meme stocks. It has been a tumultuous month for meme stocks, so-called because they are popular on social media among retail investors. The share price of such companies, which include GameStop, a video game retailer, and AMC, a cinema chain, had rallied sharply since mid-May. But yesterday they tumbled after GameStop revealed it was cooperating with the Securities and Exchange Commission investigation. America's markets regulator, it seems, sees nothing untoward in the volatility caused by such antics. Gary Gensler, the SEC's chairman, also disclosed this week that he had launched another investigation. A controversial process called, quote, payment for order flow, where brokers are compensated for steering ordinary investors towards liquidity providers. This revenue stream allows brokers to offer retail investors free equity trading, making it easier and cheaper for ordinary folk to speculate on shares. Too easy, some say. Mr. Gensler is hoping a shake-up now will lead to eventual calm. Footnotes Tackling Dementia America's Food and Drug Administration recently gave conditional approval for a new drug to treat Alzheimer's. 
The controversial decision offers a ray of hope to millions, even as its benefits remain uncertain. Simon Long, our Deputy Digital Editor, has written several pieces about dementia. In August 2020, he published a seven-part special report on the topic. Of the books he read during his research, the one that helped him the most, and that he has not stopped thinking about since, is Where Memories Go by Sally Magnuson. A journalist, she writes movingly about her mother's Alzheimer's, while giving a well-reported account of what is known about dementia. The annual reports of Alzheimer's Disease International and Advocacy Group are also valuable. He points to the addition in 2015 on the overall impact of the disease, the 2018 one on the state of research, and the report in 2019 on global attitudes towards Alzheimer's. Among books that considered the impact of ageing and the difficulty of providing care, he found both Extra Time by Camilla Cavendish and The Great Demographic Reversal by Charles Goodhart and Manoj Pradhan usefully thought-provoking. Simon also recommends a BBC radio documentary series, Solving Alzheimer's. As for portrayals of dementia on screen and stage, consider the work of Anthony Hopkins. The actor won prizes for The Father, but his portrayal of King Lear at the National Theatre in London in 1986 was even more moving. As with so much else in the human condition, Shakespeare understood. Follow Simon on Twitter for more. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Jacques Cousteau, who was born on this day in 1910. Man, of all the animals, is probably the only one to regard himself as a great delicacy. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.